Hi. Thank God for making it possible for us to be together again on Mission Diet Podcast in this fresh new year. I am Stephen Shomide from Cave Missions and I want to start by saying to you, our esteemed listeners and friends, Happy New Year. We sincerely appreciate God for you, your family, your friends, and your associates for your partnership with us at Cave Missions and with all missionaries. We should be happy in this new year. We should be happy. We should be happy for a new beginning. We should be happy for new opportunities that God will be bringing our ways. We should be happy because of God's plan for you in 2022. It's a plan of blessing to give you peace in order to exalt God by shining the light of the gospel through our lives and services to bring in a glorious movement of the unreached peoples in the last frontiers of missions into his kingdom. Well, today I'll be sharing with you about the barriers of the last frontiers. The barriers of the last frontiers. Yes, in over 2,000 years of the Great Commissions and the Church here on earth, there are still barriers to the propagation of the gospel. Even though the global evangelical churches and missions movements all around the world in all continents have made remarkable, remarkable progress in the evangelization of the world in the last 300 years. Also, the ones missionaries receiving continents of, Af- of Asia, Africa, and South America have all become global forces in sending out more missionaries today in the world. Also, denominations and mission organizations in the three continents that I've mentioned, Asia, Africa, and South America, uh, are now sending resources, including financial support, to missionaries working among rich people. Denominations and evangelical associations, especially in Nigeria, are now sending gospel messages into the cyberspace of the unreached, where internet and the use of the social media is growing every day. But there are still fundamental barriers in the last frontiers of missions. So we'll begin by looking at the meaning of the phrase, the last frontiers. The last frontiers is a phrase to describe the remaining places and people groups who have not been engaged by missionaries or who have not been reached with the gospel. They are ethnic groups where they don't have sufficient gospel and Christian presence in their culture to evangelize them. People groups in the category that I've described are the last frontiers of missions today. So, why are they the last frontiers of missions? Why? The Bible describes Satan and demons in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 17. Isaiah 14, verse 17. As a terrible oppressor, terrible jailer, who will not let his prisoners go. The status of the last frontier peoples is as such. Satan has given them what to worship. It has become their stronghold where they worship demons as demigods and idols or divinities they inherited from their ancestors. These are few reasons why they are becoming or why they have become the last frontiers of missions and the focus of every mission uh, endeavors in the world. Then thirdly, I want us to look at the description of these people, the last frontiers of mission. The last frontier peoples are classified uh, by their religion, not any longer by their locations. 
Let me repeat that. The last frontier peoples are classified by their religion, not necessarily by their locations in the world. For example, the largest population of Muslims are not located in the Middle East. They are in Asia. The largest of them in this category of religion, looking at the last frontier peoples, in the category of world religion, we have the Islamic religion, we have Hinduism, we have ethnic religion, we have Buddhism, and then we have other smaller groups. So, this is how uh, we can easily identify the last frontier people's emissions today by categorizing them based on their religion. Okay, now let us go ahead to look at these barriers, the barriers of the last frontiers of mission. Let me briefly mention uh, the barriers encountered by the apostles. Barriers are not strange, they are not alien to the missions movement around the world. They are not alien to the work of the propagation of the gospel. Uh, the apostles were persecuted. They were confronted by the Jewish law when Gentiles began to uh, accept the gospel and then they became Christians. And then when we got to the Acts of the Apostles, when Apostle Paul and Peter, they preached the gospel until the gospel reached Rome. And then you have the Roman Empire, when the Roman Empire conspired to lie against the Christians, and then the great persecutions began. So this has always been part and parcel of the gospel. So barriers should not be something strange to us. We are not saying that we should not encounter barriers. These barriers have been there right from the time of the apostles. Now, we also want to, I also want to mention barriers encountered by early missionaries in the last 300 years of the global church. Barriers encountered by early missionaries, especially in the last 300 years. From the time of William Carey, a shoemaker in England, to the Global Congress on World Missions that took place in 1910 at Edinburgh, till the time of Ralph Winter Thesis in 1974 in Switzerland, uh, the Global Mission Congress, where Ralph Winter presented his thesis for all missionary engagement to focus not on geography but on eating people groups. I myself have been greatly influenced by the writings and the work of Ralph Winter, especially with his perspectives on ethnic people group, and particularly by his favorite quote that says, Risk is not to be evaluated in terms of the probability of success, but by the value of the goal. Risk is not to be evaluated in terms of the probability of success, but by the value of the goal. So, when you look at some of these barriers encountered by the early missionaries in the last 300 years of the global church, you talk about geographical barriers, you talk about persecution, you talk about cruel culture, some cultures, they kill twins, they don't allow twins to survive. There are some cultures when a king dies, you have to bury so many virgins with the king to escort the king. So many, there, there are different cultures, you know, that people encountered, early missionaries encountered. Smaller, distinct people with larger tribes. These are some of the barriers encountered by the early missionaries. Then we have linguistic barriers. Then we have global conflict. The First World War, the Second World War, then you have different conflicts in different continents, communal rivalries. Then you have the barrier of doctrinal and denominationalism. Then we have the barrier of health challenges. 
when the early missionaries traveled to the different continents, especially the continent of Africa. The continent of Africa uh, was, re- was seen as the burial ground of the uh, colonial uh, uh, imperialists that came to Africa to, to do colonial trade. So they, and then the missionaries that came to Africa, majority of them died before they could even do any significant work. So they, they, we have the barrier of health challenges, the challenges of mosquitoes, beasts, and head hunters in some culture, in some tribes. And then we talk about the barrier that missionaries face as a result of the Israel-Palestinian conflict. Then you talk about the colonial trade and then the iron cutting of communism. All right. So these are some of the barriers encountered by the early missionaries, especially in the last 300 years of the church. But these are not the barriers that I really want to focus on in this episode. Okay, so we move on from the last 300 years of the early missionaries' work. We go to the 82,000 and beyond movement. The 82,000 and beyond movement uh, uh, was greatly used by God to advance the work of world evangelization. The 82,000 and beyond movement created 12 tracks to focus on the hidden ethnic people groups of the world. And the these movements, the 82,000 and beyond movement, uh, brought a remarkable progress in the work of missions all over the world. Now, having mentioned the 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 benefits and the the great advances made through the 82,000 and beyond movement. It was the 82,000 and beyond movement that made this, uh, this um, let me refer to it as a phrase, but that made this concept very popular. Um, I believe you must have heard about it before. And that is the concept of the 1040 window. The 82,000 and beyond movement uh, majorly focused on the 1040 window. And then it was during this movement that many mission organizations and denominations around the world focus missionary efforts within the 1040 window. So now let us now consider the major ones that I want to I want us to really focus on today in this episode discussing the last barriers of I mean the barriers of the last frontiers. This is where I want us to really carefully listen to some of the things that I want to share with you. Um, Let us look at the external barriers, external barriers blocking missionaries in the last two to four decades with special focus on Nigeria, North Africa and Middle East. External barriers blocking missionaries in the last two to four decades with special focus on Nigeria, North Africa, and Middle East. There is a peculiar religion to these three areas, and I hope you know the religion. Now, there are barriers confronting missionaries and evangelists as they reach out to the unengaged or rich people groups in the mission fields within these three areas, Nigeria, North Africa, and Middle East. Some of these barriers are Number one, radicalization. Radicalization. Radicalization is defined as making someone more radical in social, religious, or political outlook. Radicalization is defined as making someone more radical in social, religious, or political outlook. And so when you talk about radicalization, Uh, You talk about radicalization happening among students. Students, civil servants, politicians, Islamic teachers, 
happening uh, among soldiers, happening among athletes, happening among sociocultural groups, for example, transport, transporters association, Almagery system, different unions that exist in some of these countries. Then you talk about pressure groups. Within some of these sociocultural groups, you have radicalizations going on. And this is very real. Radicalization is defined as making somebody to be more radical in social, religious, or political group. You have people, or maybe a chief, have gone to several towns and villages a long time ago where I went to preach, where I introduced myself that God sent me to come and learn about the culture, to come and learn about the people, and then to come and give them the message of the kingdom. Many of these chiefs, many of these towns accepted uh, my introduction, my coming into their culture. But several years after that, after news have spread, after information has gone to some radical people, you know, the same place where I was received few years ago, I went back there and you see different reception, different, you know, approach, different, you know, hostile approach, where you see a chief had welcomed you earlier, and then you go back there to preach the gospel, and then you meet rejection. The effect of that is radicalization in some sort has happened, and there is rejection. So, missionaries are confronted with this type of radicalization. They are confronted with radicalization and I've already told you the different aspects where radicalization is going on. As we speak, as you are listening to me, some sort of radicalization is going on in some of these sociocultural groups, in our system, in the government, in the civil service. You see this is happening. People who are head of government parastatus who have been radicalized does not compromise at all when it comes to their religious interest, when it comes to their political interest. They don't joke at all about their religion. Now, let me also mention this part of the external when I say external barriers, what I mean is that barriers that are blocking missionaries, these barriers are outside. They are outside on the field. And the missionaries are confronted with these barriers as they try to settle down within these uh, people groups. Number two in the external barriers is cultural barriers. Cultural barriers. We have the barrier of um, foreign dress, freedom of women, music, uh, uh, the type of music that we, the missionaries uh, uh, encounter in the culture where they have gone to preach, the, the way they celebrate and uh, do bath and funeral uh, ceremonies and all that. So you have different cultural barriers. So these cultural barriers are culture, cultural barriers, cultural things, cultural behaviors, cultural way of doing things in another people group that are different from that of the culture of the missionary. And so, and these cultural barriers, it is cultural, it is part and parcel of the people where the missionary has gone to preach. So, when the missionary goes to witness in a new culture, in a new people group, he is confronted with some of these barriers. Now, the third barrier in these external barriers, we have cultural identity. I mentioned it partially in number two of the external barriers. We have cultural identity. The cultural barriers are actually the cultural identity of that particular people group. Now, let me 
give you the illustration here when i talk about the barrier of cultural identity the mission missionary efforts today in many mission fields have this challenge many evangelists many denominations that want to plant their church in a new people group that are not sensitive to this barrier make the mistake of planting a church in a people group and the church remains there and then the people refuse to become christians to come into that church so this is the description i would like to give can a fulani can a kanuri can a Ausama, can a nupe man can a zarma man convert in his own community become a christian in his own community without losing his identity as a Fulani or as a Kanuri or as a Hausa or as a Nupi or as a Zarma Christian. So this is a very real barrier. It's a very real challenge confronting the last front, I mean, confronting missionaries today in the last frontiers. We talk about bringing out the Fulanis, bring out the Kanuri, bring out the Hausa people, the Nupi people. These particular people groups I just mentioned here in this podcast, they are known with a particular religion as their major religion. In fact, they view that religion as part of their cultural identity. They can't part with that religion because that religion is seen as their own identity. So for anybody to convert from that culture to become a Christian, that person is always afraid that when they become Christians, they will lose their cultural identity. Now, you will be thinking that why should somebody be considering cultural identity, not Christian identity? Well, the question, the, 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 the challenge here is that becoming a Christian does not change you from who you are. If you are a Yoruba man, you become a Christian. You are a Christian, but anywhere you go, your name, your upbringing, your past is still a Yoruba man. But at the same time, why this is a challenge in many of the last frontier people groups is because when somebody becomes a Christian in this culture, in this tribe, they need to retain their cultural identity and it takes the supernatural grace and power of God to bring somebody out of these tribes to become a Christian and to remain intact within that culture. So without overthrashing this, let me go to several other barriers that are external. We have the barrier of visa application. Many of these people to travel to their countries, to travel to where they have to do mission work, uh, missionaries are confronted with the barrier of visa application. Number five, we have the barrier of a residential permit to get accommodation or to get land to build in some of these last frontier uh, lands. Uh, they are challenged up till today. Now, we also talk about the design when, if a church is finally built within that culture, within that last frontier, what will the church look like? Will the church look like a cathedral? What will be the design of that church? These are some of the challenges uh, out there for churches that have been planted within these last frontiers and then you don't find anybody from within that culture inside that church you have a church today in the united arab emirates but most people you see there they are not emirates they are people from another part of the world where the headquarters of that particular church is located so it is because of some of these challenges and lastly in these external barriers uh, we also talk about christian names which is part of the cultural identity i've decided when somebody when a full animal become a christian do we change his name from Amadou to joseph do we change his name from Muhammad to uh, ezra so 
these are some of the barriers that the Muslims are looking at. They are looking at some of these things and said, okay, wow, I want to be a Christian. I want to follow Jesus. I want to follow Isa. But when I become a Christian, they will change my name. So these are just some of the challenges uh, uh, being uh, faced by missionaries. Now, let us quickly look at this in the next uh, three minutes or so. The internal barrier slowing down the fulfillment of the Great Commission in the last two to four decades. These internal barriers are barriers within us, the Christian community, within us as a church. As a church in the world or as a community of Christians, these are barriers that before we even go out to preach the gospel, these are barriers that we need to overcome in order for us to be able to go out and do effective uh, missions and discipleship among the last frontier people. Number one, too many denominations. It's a barrier. In Matthew chapter 13, the disciples wanted Jesus to give them permission to remove the tires, to remove the weeds. And Jesus Christ told them, leave the weeds and the weeds to grow together. So we have too many denominations and too many denominations. Out of all these denominations, you have those ones that are good, you have those ones that are bad. You have those ones who are preaching different gospel like Apostle Paul said, you have those who are preaching the true gospel. You have those who have who have emerged with uh, very funny uh, theology and then you have those who are still uh, evangelical among all these denominations. So you have so many denominations and uh, uh, the unity of the gospel, the unity of the body in order to focus on reaching the lost world the last frontier people groups becomes even more difficult number two in the internal barriers we have many translations of the bible many translations of the bible where you have different translations the same english you have this translation and that translation what i'm talking about here is not translation um, the, the, the Nupe have their own translation work. The Gbagi have their own translation work. We have Bible in the Arabic uh, language. We have Bible in Yoruba language. Then that is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about just having so many translations. It's one of the major uh, barrier that is within ourselves as a church community and it is because of that we have the corruption case that the name of certain people uh, have been removed from the Bible and all that and all that so uh, but that is our own challenge from within now we have the challenge of migration this challenge is one of the the major challenge that we are facing today as a church community. The first part of this migration is about Christians who are migrating to Muslim lands. Christians who are migrating to Muslim land to farm, to work, to fish, to, to do um, uh, their professional career, to carry out their professional career. We have Christians moving to Muslims land to work. And when they get to such places, they gather themselves together to form a church, to plant a church, to start a church fellowship. Now, if a church, as a result of people migrating to a Muslim area, to a land considered to be part of the last frontiers of missions, and people gather like that because you have come from another part, then you gather in that place and then congregate yourself to start fellowship without actually putting into consideration what will attract and be a witness of that church to bring in the community where they are located inside the church. That is a major barrier today. We have many Muslims like in Nigeria here, we have many Christians, sorry, who have moved to Muslim lands, Muslim areas to farm and they congregated themselves to start church and they are living in that community and as a result they 
they have they have displayed and manifested all manner of behaviors that are not actually of Christ part of this the second part of this migration is where we have Muslims migrating to Christian lands we have seen that in recent time when people on I mean when people migrated on on on, on you know on, on their feet you know walking from their country walking and then moving migration in large numbers to their area and this is one of this is a great challenge today it's a great challenge and then you have the last challenge I want to discuss here is the in the internal barrier slowing down the fulfillment of great commission is church traditions church traditions church traditions so if you are listening to this podcast listen and consider joining God's harvest force in whatever way you can look for how you can be an effective witness of Christ wherever you are located this 2022 every serious Christian must find a way to focus on the harvest that caused our Lord Jesus his blood Jesus has paid the price for the redemption of every people group it is the fault of the church if after 2,000 years some tribes and people groups are still in darkness so this is where we draw the curtain of today's podcast where we have discussed the barriers of the last frontiers of mission beginning with the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ to the time of world congresses on missions mobilization around the world to our own present day challenges please send your thoughts and feedbacks to cavemissions at yahoo.com cavemissions at yahoo.com or to this phone number plus two three four eight zero five four nine three four two six six plus two three four eight zero five four nine three four two six six thank you very much for uh, listening god bless and until next time on mission diet podcast when we meet again bye Steven Shomide from Cave Missions. I'm happy to be with you again on Mission Diet Audio magazine of Cave Missions. Today, we want to share about prayer as a strategy, looking at historical facts. Prayer as a strategy, looking at historical facts. Uh, For many years now in Cave Missions, we came to a conclusion that one of the uh, major factors that led to the success of the work of Apostle Paul was his ability to rally believers, to rally Christians, to mobilize Christians to pray for him. Practically in almost every epistle Apostle Paul wrote, he wrote to believers in one verse or the other in each of his epistles, mobilizing and requesting for believers to pray for him. So, prayer is very important. Prayer is very important. One of our core values in cave missions is to mobilize believers, to mobilize Christians to pray for us. We value your prayers more than anything. We value your prayers even more than the finances that you send to us as as uh, as important as your finances uh, as money is to us prayer we consider prayer to be more important more effective resource in mission so today we want to look at prayer as a strategy looking at historical facts Uh, in church history. So, 
The role of prayer is dramatically expanding today. It is no longer solely to guide God's work in the world, but to enable us to design His priorities and the development of His strategies for carrying out His work in a given place. When we pray, when we dwell in the place of prayer, and pray about a particular challenge, about a particular people group, God begins to shine the light on us, to show us the path to follow, to engage such people group. So, traditionally, Christians have clearly emphasized the importance of prayer in the support of established mission fields and local Christian converts made on such field. This focus of praying continues to be valid even today. Absolutely is very essential. But increasingly, we are discovering God's intention that prayer also should be the ultimate strategic offensive factor in opening doors and hearts of unreached people groups close to the gospel. Actually, prayer as strategy is not a new concept. It's not a new concept at all. The clearest word came from God himself when he said, Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance. In Psalm chapter 2 verse 8, Psalm chapter 2 verse 8, Ask of me and I will give you. Ask and I will give you. We cannot reverse this. We cannot reverse this process. We must ask God and then he give us the people. Give us the strategy, give us, it shows us the way to go. Jeremiah also spoke about what God told him when God told him to call unto him. Call unto me in Jeremiah 33, verse 3. Call unto me. God asking Jeremiah to call. Call unto me, and I will answer and show you great and mighty things that you know not of. So when we spend time in prayer, praying for a particular challenge on the mission field, we pray for the missionary, pray for a people group, God begins to reveal secrets. So God God begins to shine his light and to show us many things that we don't know. God begins to show us secrets. God begins to, to reveal things that have been done by the ancestors, covenant, secrets, strongholds in the land. So prayer is very important. And as far back as the 17th chapter of Exodus, when God told Moses to send men to go and fight the Amalek, the Amalekites, we find Moses employing prayer as strategy. In Exodus 17, verse 9 to 13. Also in Acts chapter 1, verse 14, they all join together. We find in the New Testament a pattern that the disciples constantly gathered together to pray. Then Pentecost happened. Biblically, we see a direct connection between the prayers of God's people and the occurrences of breakthroughs in the accomplishment of God's purpose in the world. Prayer is somehow linked to the occurrences of breakthroughs. History also gives us vivid examples of the priority role of prayer as a strategy. We began to look, we we'll begin to look at the Moravians. In 1727, German Moravians began a prayer meeting that lasted 100 years. Revivers swept through their churches and they began sending out missionaries. They became the outstanding evangelistic force of their time, out of which in history we read about John Wesley's heart being strangely warmed by the power of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit. When he was traveling in the same ship 
with the Moravian slaves. In the early 1780, we also we can also trace prayer as a strategy to William Carey. In 1780, William Carey knelt constantly before a freehand made map of the world that he had drawn and poured out his heart for the lost peoples of the world. Strategic praying from his burning heart was the beginning point of the modern missionary movement in church history. Also, we can talk and refer to the Aztec uh, uh, prayer in 1806 in the United States. The mission movement uh, can be traced as far back as 1806 in a stack. A is just like corn stalks that dry corn stalks that they gathered around, you know, to 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 keep corns inside, you know. But some young men were just uh, were caught up in a rainstorm, and they took refuge inside that a stack from the rainstorm and then they took time in that a stack to pray for the lost people of the world those young men who started praying in the a stack ended up on the mission field pouring out their lives for the sake of the gospel so throughout mission history christians have clearly emphasized the absolute necessity of prayer in missions support so even when you see a missionary or you see an organization or you see a church asking people to support missions prayer is very strategic you must pray because the Bible says that nobody can give unless it has been given by God so this absolute it is the absolute necessity of prayer that makes mission support happen very easily. So people give of their resources, they give finances, they give money to the mission field, to missionaries, to mission organizations because prayer has been going on. Effective prayer will lead to effective mobilization of financial resources for execution of mission projects and programs and outreaches on the field. Many Christians are faithful, though, in missions praying, in praying for missionaries, praying for converts. Many Christians are faithful to this. But in recent time, we have discovered also that many of our churches focuses their prayer more on personal needs personal needs personal needs for breakthrough for success for deliverance for promotion for for prosperity and for several other things many churches are even praying that their enemies should die however in the last decade we have become aware and burdened about the many lost people who live in places where doors are tightly closed to the gospel and to our traditional ways of doing missions. For over 2,000 years that Jesus Christ gave us the command to disciple the whole world, there are still pockets of unreached people groups today as we speak around the world. And here in Nigeria, we still have over 42 unreached people groups here in Nigeria, in different parts of Nigeria, in different regions of Nigeria. And when they classified all unreached people groups in Nigeria, they discovered that the second largest number, the, the second largest numbers of unreached people groups lives in Niger State. So there are still unreached people groups today that have not been touched with the gospel and with our traditional ways of doing mission and the way we pray about such people must change the way we focus prayer on them must change the way we focus resources on them must change 
we need better strategy. We need better ways to penetrate such lands, such people groups, in order for them to bow their knee to Jesus Christ and confess him that he is Lord, he is master. They will love him, they will follow him, they will worship him. This has driven us to seek to, to grasp, understand, and experience prayer as a strategy in the opening of those closed doors. And as the strategy for the calling out of personnel to find ways to witness and to establish relevant ministries to those closed peoples. Equally and significantly, prayer must also be the foremost strategy for spiritual progress in established mission fields where there are converts, where we have open doors, and where witnesses are not restricted. So, many churches have been employing prayer as strategy by participating in praying for open doors in closed countries among rich people groups. Some have adopted a people group or closed country as their prayer project. So, but the bottom line is that prayer must be employed as a strategy. Nothing significant in the work of the gospel has ever happened in the world that cannot be traced to prayer. It must be connected to prayer. Prayer must preempt every major or any major breakthrough in the penetration of the unreached people group with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, I pray and I challenge you as we uh, conclude this episode that please take the prayer point we send out five days in a week. Please take those prayer points very important. Mission Prayer Manual uh, is well over 15 years old. We started the, the, the project long time ago and we believe it has contributed a lot to the things that we have been able to accomplish in some of the mission fields. In some of those mission fields, we have challenges up till now. We have the challenge of banditry. We have the challenge of gunmen and kidnapping. We have the challenge of culture, evil culture, cruel culture. We have the challenge of Islam, where people are Islamic and they are holding on very tightly to that and say they will not let go of Islam. And prayer must break that hold. Prayer must break that barren ground. Prayer must open the doors to the hearts of these people. And so please, let's continue to pray for missionaries. Not just missionaries with cave missions. Whenever you hear about a missionary or a mission field, what, whenever you see a news about a closed country, a country where the gospel is not allowed, a country where missionaries are persecuted, where they destroy churches, where they kill Christians, where they kill converts, pray for those countries. Pray for Christians in those countries. Pray for workers in those countries. There are countries around the world today where Christian professionals are present. They are also being persecuted. They are rendering services in those countries with the whole of their heart to benefit the host communities where they are located. But in a way also, they are being persecuted. Pray for such workers of the gospel, workers of our Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that as we continue to use the mission prayer manual, the Almighty God will listen, he will give us the nations as he has said in Psalm chapter 2 verse 8. I also want to leave you with this challenge. In the first quarter of 2022, we are confronting a major need among the Ghana Ghana people here in Niger State. Um, it's a people group, it's an unreached people group that has never been 
penetrated up till today the few very few christians that exist among them are hiding themselves they are hiding themselves they don't come out they don't make themselves known they hide so i want you to pray we are we we have a program that we are running that will be happening here this march 2022 we call it ipsum indigenous bible school of ministry i want you to pray continue to pray for the success of ipsum 2022 continue to pray for our team continue to pray for the mobilization coordinator continue to pray for the local organizing committee in the, uh, uh, at the venue of the training continue to pray that god will draw men towards this training when god brings these people and then we are able to train them we are able to disciple them through the teaching of God's word we are able to open their eyes to the word of God and the holy spirit get a good hold of their heart for the work of God of the gospel to live their life for him it will lead to transformation of the communities where the doors have been have remained closed to the gospel up till now thank you very much for your commitment to continue to pray for cave missions for missionaries for our financial partners thank you pray the almighty god will bless you until i come with historical facts pray the almighty god will spare our lives and then give us good health to be able to communicate with each other thank you very much god bless you and bye bye